Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Well, welcome everybody to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, coming to you live literally from somewhere in Alaska. I am sitting in a parking lot in front of the beautiful Hope Elementary using their free internet and uh you know all things are possible now with the ability of broadband all over alaska which is pretty exciting thank you for tuning into the must read alaska show we have a treat for you today but first we want to just thank our listeners thank our readers thank our watchers of all of our epic memes uh we appreciate you and we also appreciate the folks that donate to must read alaska it's because of you that we exist um all this stuff costs money so we want to I want to really thank the folks that, you know, donate a buck, donate five bucks, donate 20 bucks. We survive off hundreds of folks uh, making small donations every month. And we are pretty excited about that. Uh, But I have a special guest today, which is very exciting. He is from the Ketchikan and Gateway Borough, and he is Mayor Dial. So Mayor Dial, Mayor Rodney Dial, welcome to the Must Read Alaska show. How's your morning going? It's going great, John, and I really want to thank you for uh, inviting me to your show. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be excited to. I'm excited to have you on. Our folks are our lis- listeners and watchers and readers are a big fan of you. Uh, we've done some stories on you and about you, and I think you've done a couple op eds for us over the uh, last year or so. And man, you are uh, doing an amazing, epic job down in Ketchikan, and. Um, so how did you first get involved in politics? You know, everybody's kind of got their story. Um, and I would love to hear how you got involved in politics. I know you're a former Alaska state trooper. And so I'm sure there's a story there. <laughs> uh, well, first, let me do that standard disclosure to keep myself out of trouble. Um, nice. Everything that I say is just, it's just me. I'm not representing any group or the borough. But to answer your question, Uh, I was born and raised in Alaska. I actually grew up in Anchorage. Uh, At the age of 17, I joined the Army. I was an airborne ranger with the 2nd 75th Ranger Battalion. Uh, Did tours primarily in Central America, Honduras, Panama. Um, I was hired by the state in 1989. I worked the uh, Exxon Valdez oil spill. After that, I was hired as a state trooper in 1990. Transferred about seven times all over the state. Got to, a chance to see most of the 320 plus communities in the state, which was really good. Uh, really realized that Ketchikan is a great place to live. It's full of doers. I mean, just real positive energy here. Um, and you may remember kind of my one of my claims to fame was that uh, here many years ago, I was the uh, department's legislative liaison. And I got a call from uh, one of Palin's uh, staff members. And there was that whole trooper gate thing. I don't know if you remember oh, that, but I do remember. Yeah. I, I didn't know that you were somehow, you know, had that as a claim to fame, but man, I bet that was a whirlwind. Well, it was, it was a good claim to fame because, you know, I was asked to kind of do something that would have been shady. And I of course yeah. said no. And then, uh, 
about a year later, it came out on the phone call and it looked, it looked good for me, but, uh, you know, it didn't look so good for our governor at the time. But, um, but anyway, yeah, I, uh, I retired in 2015 and, uh, you know, there's a group of citizens that came up to me, you, you know, when I retired, I was the acting commander of troopers in Southeast. So I really covered trooper duties from, uh, Yakutat all the way to Matlacava, uh, supervised many trooper posts. And so anyway, some citizens came up to me and they said, Hey, you know, we'd really like you to run. We like, we like your politics. We like the fact that you're really engaged in the community. And so, you know, I kind of figured, well, I served my country, served my state. Maybe it's time to serve the local community. And so I ran in 2016, got elected to the borough assembly, did a tour on the assembly. And then 2019, I got elected as mayor uh, just a couple months before COVID. And I'm currently finishing up my first term. Uh, I'm up for re-election this fall. Nice. Are you running again this fall? I am going to run again. Is uh, is, is the Ketchikan Borough, uh, Gateway Borough, set up as like a, a strong mayor or weak mayor politics? You know, it's it's weak mayor, but I always feel that a mayor has informal power as well. Yeah. So I, I don't really like being put in the box that, you know, they try to put you in sometimes when they say, well, you're a weak mayor, just go cut the ribbons and kiss the babies, that kind of thing. Um, I, I think you can do a lot uh, with, with a plan. You can do a lot with a letter. You can do a lot with a meeting. So, you know, I've really tried to expand the boundaries. And, and I personally think that this, the, the Ketchikan borough has expanded to the point where they really need a full-time mayor and advocate to, yeah. you know, work with the state, work with the federal government, bring those dollars in. Yeah, it's a, a borough your size would probably benefit from a, a, a strong mayor. And for folks that are listening, it's not a derogatory term. It's kind of how they describe a uh, the difference between a mayor who's the chief administrative officer, which they call a strong mayor of a borough or a city. In this case, it's mostly boroughs in Alaska. And then a weak mayor, which is the term, I don't know why it's the term, but it's the term for mayors that are um, elected officials that are on the assembly, but they act as the role mayor and, and ceremonies and a mayor uh, dial, uh, if anybody's following him, can see <laughs> just pretty easily that he goes above and beyond most weak term, weak uh, mayor responsibilities, as uh, you should. I think it's one of those things where um, it's a huge responsibility. And man, would uh, have you ever voted? Has the borough ever voted on turning it into a different um, kind of management style? Not that I'm aware of. And it's kind of one of those things. It's just always been that way. So I think that's why it still is that way. Um, but, you know, if you look back uh, 30 years ago, 40 years ago and compare it to now, I mean, I mean, we're seeing uh, just the whole the whole landscape of Ketchikan has been reinvented many times over it. Um, so anyway, I, you know, I, I like I said, I'm not going to be confined to the box. I'm going to work outside the box. Yeah. Um, you know, we're going to do what we need to do for Ketchikan. So what is it about Ketchikan you love? It's a very unique place. It's beautiful. I've been there a couple of times and um, it's uh, <laughs> it has a taco time, which is very prestigious, which is like one of the best uh, Mexican food restaurants in uh, the lower 48. You also have a mall. You also have the coolest, uh, one of the coolest waterfronts. I'm sure there's more to love. To, 
to Ketchikan and just those three things, what is it for you that made you call Ketchikan home um, right now? Well, you know, like I had said previously, I, I got a chance to really visit um, the communities all over the state, all the way from Lucian, all the way up to the North Slope. You know, and the thing that I really like about Ketchikan, it's a town of doers. It's a, it's a town where if, uh, you know, the power plant broke down or if there was some major uh, incident, you know, some natural disaster, the, the people would really come together. And there's enough people that would be able to come together and fix things and take care of things. And, you know, uh, when I worked in Western Alaska as a trooper, you know, some of those communities, are, they're a little depressing in that um, they're really so dependent upon you know, the state government, the federal government, outside agencies to really fix things, maintain things, you know. And so I just really liked that can-do attitude of Ketchikan, how there's people here that can build anything. You know, I, I there's a there's a guy here that took a tank for me and actually made it street legal and put a motor in it. Um, That's amazing. Know, a, a fabricator, right? A guy that that would be world class fabricator who was able to do those kind of things. So it's just a it's just a town of just really good people that are hardworking. Um, and then on top of all of that, it's the banana belt of the state. So it's really about the warmest place in the state in the winter, and I really like that too. So that's awesome. Well, you've had one term of assembly under your belt, one term of mayor, and hopefully another term as mayor. What are a couple accomplishments? Um, that you've been able to pull off uh, since you've been there and uh, tell us about them and why you're proud of it. Yeah. So, you know, talking about how you can, you can get out of that box they try to put you in. Um, so back in 2017, um, I went to the borough with a plan to actually elevate our borough issues, our policy issues all the way to the white house. And I remember the, the comment at the time was, well, you know, we've, never done that before. And I said, well, you know, it doesn't hurt to try. So I developed this plan. I wrote these letters to uh, officials in DC. And then the next thing I know, we got invited to the White House. So we were able to jump on ahead of all of those different agencies that were telling us no for different topics that were important to the community. We took our issues all the way to the White House. And not only did we take them the first time, but we wound up getting invited back. And then as we kept getting invited back to the White House, we really developed those contacts where I could send somebody a, you know, a text at the White House and get a response back within a half an hour. And it allowed us to turn a bunch of no's into a bunch of yeses. And we wound up not only saving the community millions, but we actually brought millions into the community in, in new funding. So, for example, we had this big fight with FEMA over, you know, they wanted to impose all these different flood standards in the community, which would have cost our citizens millions. We've been able to delay that for years. Every year we delay that, it saves us millions. Uh, we've been able to bring millions into this community for like, we have a big NOAA dock project that's being uh, constructed right now. So, and, and we previously, NOAA was telling us that you know, we're not going to build a dock there. We're not going to put Fairweather there, which is a research vessel. Even though decades ago, Congress dictated that that vessel was supposed to be in Ketchikan. So um, this is something I'm really proud of because we just we just took everything to the top. You know, we just yeah. cut out the middleman. We went to the top. The Trump administration was really supportive of small communities. 
Um, they had us back many times, got a chance to meet the vice president. And, uh, you, you know, it, those kind of things, just huge successes for the community. Yeah, it's, um, it's a lot of those things add up over time. And, you know, you get a NOAA doc, you get a this, you get a that. Next thing you know, you've been able to not only save millions of dollars, like you just said, but also bring in millions of dollars. So that's something to be proud of. And, you know, to have to go from a small town, Alaska, that the White House maybe didn't even know existed to being able to text the White House is a pretty awesome accomplishment. So nice work. Um, I think it will benefit your community in the short and long term. So um, what are you going to be working on this next year? I know that, you know, one of the things that people like about you is you're not um, uh, fearful of, of the uh, media. You're not fearful of being, you know, politically correct in this world. You're, you stand up for what you believe in uh, with respect and uh, with professionalism. And I think people really enjoy that. Um, is that going to play into any plans you got for this next year when we live in the woke, you know, the, the most woke time in our life or, uh, you know, just give us some of your thoughts for what you're going to be working on this next year. Right. So one of my main goals is, as the borough mayor is to really look at what other communities have done right and what other communities have done wrong and try not to do those wrong things. So for example, um, many of us, you know, we've been going to Seattle since we were little kids, and we see this transition in Seattle from this beautiful gem of a city to a place where you feel like you need to be carrying and wearing body armor down there to go. Yeah. And um, I don't want Ketchikan to become Seattle. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I, I, well, I guess it's unfortunate and unfortunate. Um, we see a lot of people moving to Ketchikan right now. I had a conversation with an individual from Seattle here a couple of weeks ago. Nice guy, but he was getting out of Seattle, came here, bought two houses and a, and a piece of land. Um, and, and that's great. We welcome them here and everybody else that wants to come here. But we also want to make sure that the things we love about Ketchikan, we, we keep as Ketchikan. And you talk about the wokeness and it's just incredibly divisive. And the one thing I've really been trying to get across to people, especially, you know, during Pride Month, and I, you know, I'll give that standard disclaimer, I have nothing against, you know, um, the LGBT community. But, you know, the, the, the one thing that I, I really need to get across to people is we need to not be creating divisiveness where divisiveness did not previously exist, right, where division did not previously exist. And I see that when government strays from its neutrality and then starts um, promoting and encouraging and supporting one side of the political spectrum, all it does is it just divides the citizens and it just pits them against each other. And I, and I, you know, I tell people, if you want to see what that looks like, go watch an Anchorage assembly meeting from 2021. It doesn't matter which one, just pick one and watch the pick, public. Pick, comment, any, right? pick any assembly meeting. Yeah. Yeah. From 2021, yep. they, they, they divided their community with mandates and with mask mandates and these type of things. And so anyway, I, I, I'm hoping to find that middle ground where we can just really respect each other and accept each other, but, but then also agree that we're not gonna use government to be on this side of the political spectrum or this side, and we're just gonna focus on the basics. Well, it sounds like you've done a fairly good job about that. How, 
you know, let's say if somebody's listening and maybe they've lived under a rock for a while in the nooks and crannies of the Ketchikan Gateway Borough, and they're trying to figure out how to make a difference in this crazy political world. How do you feel like somebody can still make a difference in small town politics? Somebody maybe with a full-time job or somebody maybe that's retired and has never been involved before. What are some easy steps, practical steps that somebody could do in your neck of the woods to, to still make a difference in the political world? Yeah. So I, I would say the biggest thing is you've got to show up, right? So governments run by the people that show up. So during this last fight that I was involved in, I had so many people call me and say, you know, I support you. Thank you for what you're doing. Keep it up. And then they would add that, but, right, that, but I, I, I can't speak out. I can't help you because of my job or my family or, you know, uh, my friends. And so, you know, the other side, they're willing to show up and they're willing to yell and they're willing to protest and they're willing to, you know, hold the signs on the street. And so if one side doesn't and the other side does, you know, if one side is just not involved because they're afraid that they might get socially shamed on Facebook or they might be called a name, um, we're just we're going to see our community continue to slide toward that model like Seattle or Portland or L.A. You know, it's just going to keep going in that direction. So I would just say, you, you know, for, for the people out there listening that, you know, kind of like your town the way it is and you don't want to see those problems in the lower 48 come to Alaska, you, you need to participate. You need to show up at the meetings. You need to speak during public comment. You need to write a letter. You need to be willing to, to take a, you know, a lick or two um, and be called a bad name or two um, because that, that's the way that we make our community better. So I would just say, you know, you got to be involved. And I, I know it might come with some sacrifices, but you have to be willing to do it. Do you guys have service boards in your uh, borough for folks to like, you know, the somebody that's showing up and now they want to make the, even the next step and officially volunteer on a board? Do you guys have service boards in your borough? We do. Yeah, okay, we, have, cool. we have boards, we have committees. So, you know, people are interested, you know, they can contact the borough. We can let them know uh, what's available. And, you know, it could be something as small as their neighborhood. I mean, they're, they're end of the island, you know, they're, they could be on a board to to help with that, or they can be on a board for the, the local volunteer fire department or something like that. But yeah, absolutely. Right. So who's one of your heroes? It sounds like you've had quite the career. Um, and, um, you know, I'm sure that you've had some hopefully good mentors over the years. Who's, some, who's been one of your heroes and why? Okay, so once again, this is probably where I'm going to say something that's not really politically correct, but I'm going to say Jesus is my hero. And, you know, um, the first time I went through a really difficult issue with the borough, uh, stressed me out. It was like two months of attacks, people writing bad letters, people, you know, phone calls, you know, it, it was just ugly, um, a lot of pressure. And, you know, I prayed about it a lot. And I really wanted to know, you know, am I doing the right thing? And, you know, I guess there's something I, if I can relay to the, to the community, it, was, it would be this. If you ever want to know what the right side is, right? We don't pray that God's on our side. We pray that we're on God's side. But if you ever want to know what the right side is on, on an important world issue, all you really have to do is ask yourself, 
who does the world love and who does the world hate? You know, if you can, if you can answer that question, then you can know what the right side of this issue is because it's, you know, um, and I'll even go through it right here. There's a, um, you know, there's a verse and it basically says, if the world hates you, know that it hated me first. If you were of the world, the world would love its own, but you're not of the world. I've chosen you out of the world. You know, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And I think if you can kind of keep those kind of things in perspective um, and realize that all things work out for the good, right? For those that love the Lord, um, you can you can be strong and you can be an effective leader in your community. And, and so that's kind of how I view things, you know, and, and I really, my faith is important to me. It really helps guide me and helps keep me on the right track and, and uh, it works. That's awesome. Everybody needs a little Jesus in their life, probably a little more Jesus in our lives because uh, that'll help solve a lot of our problems. He is the uh, uh, the peacemaker and the definition of love. So that's pretty awesome. I love that you and Jamie Allard have the same hero. She, when she was on the show, oh, she said she? That Jesus, yeah, that. Jesus was her hero's worth. So right you're in good company with Jamie Allard and, you know, it's, um, it's tough sticking to your convictions. I, I, um, I, I think it's awesome that you've been able to hold your own and stick to your convictions. And I do know that it's got to come with a price, right? I, I can, um, I know that it comes with just nasty emails and phone calls and people assuming you're a horrible person, but I do want to encourage you that people are paying attention that do support you. And I see, you know, just the must read Alaska crowd. They really appreciate the stuff you're doing. So um, if, um, if that gives you any sort of positive motivation, let it be, you know, it's people do see you and they, and they notice uh, the awesome work you're doing. So kudos to you. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share about catch can? Um, just, you know, while we, while we got you on here, I got one last question for you, but I wanted to just give you an opportunity to share anything you'd like to, anything you'd like about catch can or, um, anything that we missed, uh, the, the, uh, podium is yours. You know, uh, thank you so much. I can tell you one thing we're kind of working on right now is we're really trying to prepare for the fall. Um, I think a lot of us, I think a lot of us kind of feel like something's a little off, like it's the calm before the storm, like something major is going to happen before the midterms. I know I just have that feeling. You know, we see inflation going up. We see the potential for a world food crisis. So, you know, one thing we're working on here locally is we had the governor in town recently. Uh, we pitched a plan for him for an emergency community food supply, kind of like what we used to see during the Cold War era, era with civil defense. Yep. Um, so we're doing that. I'm encouraging citizens to get out, you know, harvest firewood, you know, prepare for, you know, if heating oils, seven, eight dollars a gallon. I mean, you're not going to be able to buy a lot of it. So let's start looking at alternate uh, heating sources. So we're really just trying to prepare for, you know, what may come this fall. And I would just really encourage other Alaskans to really consider that as well. You know, don't just think that everything is back to normal and everything's going to be perfect because there's a lot of warning signs out there that, you know, we may have some problems ahead. So let's prepare. So um, I read, I think yesterday on our site, actually, that the, um, local Ketchikan Republican censored um, Sarah, former Governor Sarah, Sarah Palin. I think that is hilarious because she is, if folks don't remember, she's the one who 
token the bridge to nowhere and kind of killed the the bridge to nowhere, which was essentially Ketchikan, I think, has the seventh biggest airport in Alaska. And I I believe you all have to take a ferry to the airport, which has got to just be super annoying. Um, do you have any thoughts on the the uh, local Republican Party censoring former Governor Sarah, Sarah Palin? Well, you know, so the whole thing with the bridge is the kind of a sensitive topic for us because we really got so close to it. In fact, they even built. I mean, it was budgeted in. It was on the budget. Right. And yeah, they built like three miles of road over on the airport island. Uh, So, you know, and it's dead forever now. I mean, it's never coming back, especially now that they took that money and they put it into expanded ferry service. So I I think there's, you know, there might be some hard feelings down here still with with. um, Understandably. Yeah. So, well, but I, uh, I thank you for coming on our show, Mayor, Mayor Dial, and, and I wish you luck in your election. I, I hope you uh, win. Are you running unopposed or you got some competition? What's that field look like? You know, um, it really hasn't even opened yet. I'm just trying to get a, a jump start on the process. Yeah. So, I, I, I don't know of anybody else that's running, but I would be highly surprised if other people didn't run. So, yeah, um, yeah. so I guess it is what it is. Um, it'll probably all really kick off in earnest uh, around August. Yeah. Well, we wish you luck. We thank you for the work you're doing, and we thank you for joining us on the Mustard Alaska Show. Um, this episode will be on iTunes and Spotify and Amazon Prime or Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Pandora, the list goes on anywhere that you can find a podcast, you'll be able to find this episode and download it. I actually have representative Ron Gillum in the next 30 minutes is going to be on the must read Alaska show. So we're going to do a double header today. Ron is going to be talking about representative Gillum is going to be talking about the, what's going on in his neck of the woods, Kenai Soldatna, but also the um, drag queen show that happened in front of kids this last week uh, at the Soldatna Creek park. So he's going to be giving us his thoughts on that. You don't want to miss out on that. Tune in in literally 30 minutes. I'll be back on. So until then, from somewhere in Alaska, I'm John Quick signing off. Again, thank you so much, uh, Mayor Dow, for joining us. Keep up the good work. Um, Thanks.